Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be in 38 to 42 as we start. But before we get there, a couple of things. First, let's pray and then uh, and then we'll talk. Father, we do thank you so much for the blessing it is to come here and to encourage each other and uh, comfort each other and strengthen each other. Father, we thank you that we can come and praise you because you are worthy of all our praise and so much more. Father, we thank you that we can come and seek your wisdom and your guidance for our lives, and we pray that you give us the faith and the courage to live what we see in Jesus and in his example. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so yesterday, I'm going to add one more prayer request. And if they're watching this morning, I'm going to get in trouble later, so you can also add me to your list. Yesterday, I was checking in on on my dad and Teresa. Be sure and keep them in your prayers with health stuff and his recovery from his fall. But now I'm really concerned because yesterday she said he's feeling a lot better. That's not what concerned me. That was good. But she said he's feeling a lot better and wants to watch his favorite Hallmark Christmas movies. If you know my dad, this is reason for concern. Okay, if you know me, it's reason for concern. I, I deer hunt just so my daughters can watch Hallmark while I'm in a blind somewhere. Okay, that's what they do. That's the whole plan. They used to go with me. Then they found out if they stayed home and could watch Hallmark, you know, they stopped going with me. That's how that works. But so pray for my dad because apparently whatever is going on with him health wise has, has flipped a switch and now he's got a favorite Hallmark Christmas movie. And I know some here are going, well, James, yeah. What I'm trying to figure out is how would you know your favorite? Is it green sweater, red sweater? Or is it the woman is from the city and she's now fallen in love with a small town man? Or is it a big city man who's fallen in love with a small town woman? Because this is all they do. And that's all, that's it. It's Wheel of Fortune and those are the only things on the wheel. That's it. Okay. I came home and the girls are always trying to tell me, no, dad, that's not true. I said, which one of these has the red sweater? She did. Okay. I, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So pray for my dad. It's that time of year. People do this kind of stuff, and and uh, everybody has their different traditions. And and I like traditions, and I love Christmas, and I love Thanksgiving, uh, all of that. And I love I love a lot of things about both of them. And one of the things I absolutely love about Christmas for me is the eggnog. But I don't drink it anymore because I don't know if y'all know it, but it's got a lot of sugar in it. But but I, I don't do the, the eggnog so much anymore. I'm sure there's a sugar-free version, but I would rather go without than adventure into that. Uh, I, but I, I do miss that. But that was always a big thing uh, for me as a kid was when, when the eggnog finally came home. Gandhi's eggnog would come home. Then when we were in New York, there were several good dairies, and, and so I had to figure out which one which dairy had the best you know eggnog, all that kind of stuff. I love stuff like that. There's a lot of things that go with the holidays that are not as fun. There's a lot of work to be done. You know, it's it, uh, things don't just happen on their own. Trees have to go up. Floors have to be scrubbed. You know, there's all that kind of stuff. You're having people over. Well, then you go back and, and clean everything like three extra times so that they can mess it up before they go and all of that. Uh, and then you do it again, right, because they just left. All of that kind of stuff happens, and it's all worth it, isn't it? I think it's all worth it, uh, but it, it does come with work. There are errands to be run. There, there are shopping lists to make and to buy. If you went and did a big Thanksgiving dinner, you know that on the radio when they said everything went up a certain percentage that they lied, it went up more. Don't you know that's true? I was listening to this news story about how much everything had gone up, 
And I was sitting there going, well, where did you find that sale? I'd like to find that. You know, we're think I'm still looking for what country is it that they keep talking about this America where there's only 8% inflation over last year. I don't know where that is, but it ain't anywhere I'm shopping. And that's stressful. And it turns something that's supposed to be joyous and fun and everything else. It does. It turns it into a it, sometimes a frustrating, stressful thing. You're trying to make ends meet. Your dollars don't go as far as they used to go, like few months ago and that that gets difficult and that's that's just if you're not even watching the news if you watch the news well get a therapist to turn off the news uh, there's just so many things going on that's before you even deal with whatever is actually going on in your life i'm making you all feel real good this morning can you tell but but that's just true overall when it's all said and done most of the time uh, there are exceptions but most of the time all that stuff ends up being worthwhile, doesn't it? And and God gets you through it and you and you get through everything. Maybe there's something you missed or something that didn't go right or, you know, somebody you were hoping would show up uh, bails on you. That kind of stuff is going to happen. But over in the big picture, most things turn out OK. God gets you through it. You're thankful. You're grateful. You see all the things you were supposed to see, hopefully, in Jesus through all of this. And and things are all right. Sometimes it doesn't go that way. Sometimes it gets harder. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, but even on the best of Thanksgivings and Christmases, there's just, there's a lot, isn't there? In all of that, it's real easy to lose sight of what matters most. So the whole reason we did, they've done this for the last couple of weeks of centering everything around the table is to kind of go into this season and celebrate both Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I would say even all the time, uh, who should be at the center of it all? Whose table really belongs at the center of it all? And when you're celebrating with your family or with friends or neighbors or whoever, and you're at a table, and it may just be that you met at Whataburger and had a burger, whose table are you really at? And we just need reminders every now and then of what really matters most and why, why we do what we do and who we do it for. Uh, there are lots of opportunities to serve and to help other people who may be going through some of their harder holidays. Maybe Thanksgiving was a struggle. Maybe Christmas is going to be a struggle. Maybe the whole next year is going to be a struggle. And those people uh, need encouragement and they need uh, sometimes help through those times. Is the help that we offer as Christians, does it matter? Is it worthwhile is it done in the right spirit and with the right heart? Do we do what we do because it has to be done? Do we Are we just ticking off a list? Are we just throwing things at people and pretending that's service for Christmas? Or do what does what we do have depth and meaning? And here's the most important part, centered around the table. Does it have connection? And most importantly, does it connect those people to Christ? Does it help them to see Jesus in their thanksgiving to see Jesus in their celebration of Christmas. Do they see Christ? Because we can uh, do so many things where we just throw things at people, but have no connection whatsoever to the gospel in any real way. And when we do that, we've basically just fluffed the pillows on the Titanic. The ship is still sinking. The person is still lost. And what we've done is make the casket more comfortable. 
or we can approach these opportunities and approach these times centered on Christ and helping others to see the Christ and to meet the Christ and change an eternity and change a heart to give grace where grace is needed, mercy where mercy is needed, love and kindness where love and kindness are needed through connection with the body of Christ. And then everything can change. It's just so easy for us to lose sight of that sometimes. And so we start going down our, well, we do this, we do this, we do this, and we empty things of their meaning by turning them into a to-do list to be done and checked off. So in your time over the holidays, really take some time to focus. Why am I doing this? Does this matter? Does this connect somebody to Jesus? Even if it's just something that's just a moment. Maybe you're just dropping off a sack of groceries at somebody's house and you have two minutes with that person. Does that two minutes sow a seed for eternity? Or is it like, you know, knock and run? You gave the food and you ran away. They don't even know it was from Jesus. How do you do what you do is centered in why you do what you do, right? Luke 10, sometimes this gets lost. And in Luke 10, it had gotten lost. So let's read this together. Short passage. Now, as they were traveling along, he, he, Jesus, entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. We know this story and we know it well. It's just this little blurb in the Gospels about this really small event around a table in their home. There's not a bad guy in this story. I want to say that at the very beginning or a bad woman in this story. Uh, that doesn't happen. Sometimes, you know, and I'm probably guilty of this myself. Um, we can talk about this in a way that it makes it sound like, well, there was a good sister and a bad sister. There's not a good sister and a bad sister. There are two good sisters, one who needed to learn a lesson, right? That's it. And, well, they both really needed a lesson. One was getting it and one wasn't. That's, that's the way that was working at that moment. So you have Martha, and Martha's the one who invited, it sounds like, who invited Jesus into the home in the first place. So you already know her heart's in the right place. You know that she's she's heard something of and probably from Jesus already at this point, where she is either impressed by him or wants to know more. So it's not that she doesn't care. It's just that she also is of a personality that is, Got to take down the to-do list. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Don't worry about it. But, you know, there are people in the room. You know who you are. We know who you are. Okay, so, you know, there, there's all of that. Everybody knows, okay? If, if, if you aren't sure, I guarantee you your family and your kids know exactly who you are. Uh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Uh, that's That would be the, uh, the original Brady Bunch, wouldn't it, Marcia? So... She knew that was, you were afraid that was coming, weren't you? Probably a little bit. But Martha is concerned with getting the dinner done. She wants the table set. She wants, like my grandmother, she wants a nice uh, centerpiece in the middle of the table, all of these kinds of things, and all of that needs to be fixed and arranged and, and appropriated. And she wants help. 
And I don't know if she had asked Martha if Martha or Mary if Mary would help or if it was just assumed. Uh huh. Everybody who just nodded is the Mary who has had it assumed of them or the Martha who is assuming that Mary will help here in a couple of weeks. One or the other. You're one or the other. So Martha assumes that Mary should be helping. Mary is listening to Jesus. And I don't know if we realize this is just a little, a little aside, but do we realize how radical this moment is and it's time? Hospitality was not radical. Middle Eastern hospitality then and now is legendary. I was watching a video the other day about a small little country over in the Middle East, and it's just like a country within a country almost, culture within a country, where they said, is it true, the person was asking the person who was from there, is it true that in your uh, culture, if somebody knocks on your door, probably 90% of homes will See that person as an invited special guest, even if they were uninvited. Bring them in, feed them dinner, and give them tea. And the man said, 90%. May it never be 100%. He said, in our culture, a guest is always to be assumed as a gift from God. This was not in a Christian country, among a Christian people, quite the opposite. I can remember when Christians thought that way. We need to revive that. Bible word is we need to repent of that, actually. We need to repent of not seeing people that way. Our culture has, over the last 30 years, become so ultra-private about their homes that we don't see guests as gifts from God. We curse them as demons from Satan. And people hide in their homes and pretend they're not there. It's terrible. It's just terrible. That would be none of us, right? Right? I didn't get an amen, so I'm going to assume y'all are heathens that need to repent. Okay, that's the way that's going to work. We should be those people. We shouldn't be shocked that there's a country that's like that. We should be that place. We should be those people. So Martha is not actually a bad person. Martha should be, in some ways, our hero. Her first inclination was, here's my home, come on in. Now, I'm sure she's probably trying to listen as she gets these things done, but clearly she's not giving it her full attention or Jesus wouldn't have said what he did. So Jesus tells Martha, listen, Mary has really chosen the better thing. But he says something else right before that. Look at what it says. It says there's one thing, one thing that matters. Really. Around your Thanksgiving, there was really only one thing that mattered wasn't there the thanksgiving the praise of god for all that he's done for you all that he's done through you all he's working and continuing to do and for the people around you that he works through whether so that you can bless them or they can bless you and probably both the one thing that really matters for this moment for mary that one thing that really mattered was not what was on the table. It was who was at the table. And the most radical thing, I'm coming back to that, the most radical thing was that Jesus was teaching her and talking with her and listening to her. It says that she was sitting at his feet. From our point of view, we would say, well, 
what? Is that like a demeaning thing? Why, why is she having to sit at his feet while he teaches? Well, probably they were reclined at the table, and that means that she's at the very next spot. You can see that also at the Last Supper, there's some language that would reflect a similar thing. That is radical, because normally when the men, especially a rabbi, which is how they would have seen Jesus, start teaching the word of God, the women do what Martha did. In the first century, that was a man's conversation. By the way, in the conversation in that other country over in the Middle East, that guy said the same thing. That was a man's conversation, and it would be her job to go and help Martha prepare the dinner. So Martha's expectation of Mary is actually normal. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and being taught was strange. It was radical. It was Jesus saying, everybody else may not think you're worthy of this, but you're worthy of this. Not only that, but he says, this is the most important place for her to be. You know, when we come here and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, he's saying the same thing to every single person here. No matter who would discount you and no matter who would say to you, this isn't where you belong. Jesus is saying this is actually the number one thing for you right now. This is the thing that matters most. Sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing his wisdom, and building a relationship with him. Mary was doing what mattered most. Over the next few weeks, God will put opportunities in your past. Some of them might be real small in the moment and not seem like much of anything, but there may be in that day the most important thing you do. It'll be the moments where you have a chance to interact with somebody and to build a connection, no matter how small, for that person to Jesus. That's how he works through his body. Seize every one of those chances you get, no matter how seemingly small, no matter how seemingly insignificant, because for that person in that moment, Jesus might say the same thing. Put the to-do list aside for a second, Martha. Mary building a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing right now. Mary hearing the wisdom of God is the most important thing right now. God's going to put a Mary in your place. And he's going to want you to build that connection for her somehow. And it may be as simple as what they're doing. It's just a meal. And it's so simple that Jesus actually says, you know, the meal doesn't even matter that much, Martha. It's not the one thing. The thing is not what matters. Put that in your Christmas stocking. The thing is not what matters. The connection built through to Jesus is what will matter. Otherwise, we're just decorating caskets and moving pillows on the Titanic. Unless we see what really, really matters. Mark chapter uh, 8 Flip over to Mark chapter 8. Jesus hits on that point. What what really matters? Down in verse 34. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, for the gospel, will save it. Already he's getting at 
Martha, Martha, some things aren't important and some things are. Pay attention to what's most important. Verse 35, or verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We're going to find people all over our world chasing a lot of things over the next few weeks that we're sure is going to make them happy. You're going to spend some time thinking about, oh, I wonder what will make them happy. I wonder what will really matter. I wonder what's going to make them smile on Christmas morning. That's all fine. That's all good as far as, you know, trying to give people things they might need or even some things that they might just want, uh, those kind of things. That's fine. But don't lose sight of what really matters. Because in the end, you could get everything on their list. And if this turns out unexpectedly to be the last time that you get to do that, will that have been what mattered? Will that be what changes their eternity? No. But some of your conversations may. Some of your time together may. Some of your investment in their heart and their soul and their relationship with God may. So make sure that you keep your eye on the ball and your eye on what really ultimately matters and look for ways to do the things to help people in a way that goes deeper than stuff, deeper even when it's important stuff. It can be food. It can be a meal that they desperately need. Make sure it's not just a meal. Make sure it's not just food or just a gift. That's task-oriented, and that gets into the Martha, Martha, Martha stuff. And we will have, have missed our point altogether. I read for the um, call to worship Psalm 46. Go back over there. It's a beautiful psalm about God as our refuge and our strength, but you probably know where I'm going. When I'm going to verse 10, there is this, this little phrase that catches us all the time, and we have songs based on it. Uh, the song, Be Still and Know That I Am God. This translation says, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I like this wording, cease striving. Solomon talks about that in Ecclesiastes, about how so much of our life is a chasing after the wind. You're trying to catch it. Boy, if you live in Lubbock, you're keeping things real busy doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cease striving. Stop just chasing after the wind. The things that won't really make you happy, the things that won't really change your eternity, the things that don't really matter, getting everything just right, but not doing what really matters and is really ultimately the right that you needed to do. Cease striving. Stop worrying. Slow down. Don't be a slave to the holidays and the traditions or they miss their point entirely. Slow down and stop. And remember, God is God. Christ is our Messiah. The Spirit lives within us. Our hope is real. Our mission is incredibly important. 
God is good. Cease striving and know that I am God. Constantly go back and touch that again so that you remember over and over, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why does this matter? Does this matter? How does it matter? And how can God work through it? Cease striving and know that I am God. What happens when we know that he's God? I will be exalted among the nations. When we get this right, God is glorified. God is exalted and praised among the nations. If you did make the mistake of watching the news, you know that's not happening right now. How do we get there? We cease striving, and we know that he is God, and we focus on what's most important always. Right? I want to end going back to Luke. I don't think ever anything is coincidental in the way the Gospels are written. I think the Spirit had it all planned out. I don't think it's a coincidence that the very next thing Luke records is the Lord's Prayer. Now, Luke's version is a little bit shorter, so you'll notice there's a little bit here that is, we're going to say, well, that's there's something missing. Well, I don't know if it's inspired by the Spirit. I'm not sure it's missing. It's just what he wanted in this context. Uh, but look at what he says then about what to pray for, because what Jesus would teach you to pray for is that one thing that matters. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, that's the short version. I'm going to go ahead because already, you know, our brain is like, okay, I need the rest of that, right? So if you go over to Matthew chapter 6, you get the rest of it. Verse 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's what matters. That's what Mary, even though it wasn't the same words, because he was going to say that later with the disciples, just the next chapter. But the core of that is what Jesus is sharing with Mary. Even though we don't know what it was, we know what Jesus taught. What matters most? God is God. He's going to take care of you. He is to be held in reverence and holiness. He will forgive us our sins. He will deliver us from temptation. And everything we need, he's going to take care of. And I know as I said need, not want, but need. Everything we need, he's going to take care of. So God has it, doesn't he? Sometimes the Martha, Martha heart is rooted in worry. It's rooted in, yeah, but I don't know if it'll all get done. Isn't it weird that Jesus, right after dealing with Martha, teaches the disciples to pray, saying, it'll all get done. It'll be fine. God has you. It's almost like he still had Martha on his mind. You don't worry about it, Martha. You are troubled and worried about many things, but Mary has chosen that which is most important. And what did Mary choose? Jesus. Mary chose Jesus. We're going to sing a song. That's uh, Thank You, Lord. 
the 90s version by Jernigan, for all that you've done, I will thank you for all that you're going to do. Put it all in his hands. He's already done much to be grateful for, and he's going to do even more than we could ask or imagine. He has made that promise too. And let's sing this song of gratitude as we focus on the one who is most important. Let's stand and sing. For all that you've done, I will thank you for all that you're going to do. For all that you've promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you. Thank you. Lord, and I thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you for loving and setting me free, thank you for giving your life just for me, how I thank you, Jesus, I thank you. Gratefully thank you, thank you, and I thank you, thank you, Lord, and I thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Gratefully thank you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as that song says, we thank you so much for the wonderful blessings you've given us. And we want to pray that we can always do your will in everything that we go about doing, Lord. And help us to be mindful of the ones that are sick and couldn't be here. And we ask that you bless them, Lord, and and be with the ones that don't know you, Lord, that we can be a shining example for you and help us to do your will and everything for this we ask in your holy name amen